Hello, welcome to Local Anesthetic Podcast. This is your weekly injection of mind-numbing local news. My name is Alex, this is Rob. Chest. Right, and do you know, every week, Rob, I forget you're going to say hello in a different way. That's why I enjoy doing which, it. Which, by the way, Rob, is the most... I'm sure you're doing it, it's deliberately a very poor feature to include in this podcast, isn't it? It's very sort of bottom of the barrel, what shall I do? I know, I'll say hello in a different language next week. I mean, you know, it's not very original. I think it's, it, the, the listeners appreciate the continuity of the feature, and I think that's, that's what matters. Right, but I've never heard this one. What was it? Chest? Chest. What, what's that? Is that's it, uh, hello in Polish, as I, as I promised last week. Right, are you pronouncing it right? That's what it said on the website. Right. It, maybe a little less emphasis maybe, on the tea. Maybe you Chess. should also say goodbye in a language as well. I could do that. Yeah. That's now quite a bit more research, though. <laughs> it's giving you quite a lot to do, though, isn't it, Rob? Yeah. yeah. Maybe a bit. Next too. week, Russian. Is that right? If I can find it, yeah. yeah. You should know Russian, hello for Russian, automatically. How? I don't know. But right. I don't know. I don't know, but I'll just. I don't I know. Were... Isn't it Krakow or something? Maybe, maybe. Krakow. What I love is that's not even in Russia. <laughs> no. That's Poland again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm aware. Minsk! <laughs> again, not in Russia. Where's Minsk? Uh, oh, where's Minsk? Um, it's one of the Baltic states. If anyone knows where Minsk is, uh, <laughs> who cares where Minsk is? Drop us a line. Like, right, Rob, can we get on with the podcast? Of course. We can be found on our website, which is www.lapodcast.net. We are on Facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash LAPodcast. We can be found on Twitter at, at LAPodcast. Uh, and of course, we're on iTunes, where you can download all of the episodes. You can subscribe to us. You can leave us a rating. And from our website, by the way, you can download all previous 88 episodes, you can keep them, you can listen to them as much as you want, uh, around the supermarket, in bed, in the bath, I think I'd like to sit down gardening, and probably ideal for gardening to be honest and to pass the time. Maybe you're a butcher and you need something to pass the time while you're chopping up meat. Hmm. You're going to say something? Yeah, I'd just like to sit down and maybe work out how many, or how long it would take to listen to every single episode. Yeah, you do that and then get back to me. I will do, yeah. Uh, Rob, I just wanted to comment on something that happened to me this week, and it, it left me in um, quite a state of agitation and, and bewilderment, bewilderment, and it got me thinking. And that was that um, our bin collections come on a Tuesday morning. Right, okay. Right? And there's two of them it's in the day. It's not a great topic for comedy, I'll be honest. But... Uh, well, no, I just... Well, just listen. Right? Okay. So there's two that come in the day, right? There's one that comes early... The, if you regular wheelie bins, and then the recycling guys come later. Now, the recycling guys who come later, it's all a bit more civilised, quiet, low-key. So, so this is what happens, and this, is, this has happened many times before, but it's only this time that I really started to think about it, and it was this. Have you been harassed by the bin men again? No, Rob. Oh. I'm in bed, Rob, and at six o'clock in the fucking morning, right, I am woken up by flashing lights <laughs> streaming through the windows, <laughs> right? And the noise of people grabbing bins and throwing the contents in the back of the bin. And what got me thinking about this was, is that, what, what the fuck is this about? Why, why, does a bin, why does a bin truck need or require, whilst doing the bin collection in the small close up where I live, to put on flashing lights yet yeah, at six in the morning? What is the need for it? I, I figure that they're all sitting in this truck going, oh, Frank, stick on the lights, let's wake these bastards up. <laughs> What's that about? Why does a bin, bin, bin van need flashing lights? Rob, it was like, I felt like I was in Iraq during a dawn raid. 
Do you know what I mean? It was to be woken up, Sorry, right? You just compared be... an airstrike to bin collection. Yes, to be woken <laughs> up to the sound of heavy clunking industrial machinery and literally the room flashing. Yeah, <laughs> is a very scary experience at six in the morning and quite hard to recover from, especially when it's going on for ten minutes. But I think you've answered your own question. Right. The reason they do this. Yeah. The reason is because. It's... If to what? To make themselves feel like they're pictures? No, no, no. It's to make themselves obvious. Because in a small close, maybe at six in the morning, especially when, when at the moment, the mornings are quite dark, <laughs> you may not see the big light. The recycling men come later on. They don't put on flashing lights and start banging stuff yeah, about. they're not as important. You know, they're, 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 they're like Greenpeace activists. They come <laughs> in, you know, under the cover of darkness and leave without anyone noticing. No, they don't come in the car. They come more about midday. But these oh, guys, they're coming at the crack, literally the crack of dawn. I, all I thought to myself is, what's next? Like, I, I think it's deliberate. I think it's that they want to fuck people off. I think the next stage is going to be right. Yeah, put on the flashing lights. Let's make loads of noise. And while we're doing it, let's just go. <laughs> so I got the impression of like just watching postman turn up in the door, post the letters, then just like sounding an air horn. Yeah, right. Do you get my post? <laughs> yeah, right. Shouting through your letterbox. Do you get my point then? Yeah, yeah. It is completely and utterly ridiculous. And uh, and no, it's. It, it, I am comparing it to an airstrike. Yes, it's similar. Okay, there was no threat to my life, but when I woke up at six in the morning in a cold sweat to see, to you know. That I felt feared for my life in that moment. As far as I knew, Rob, it could have been Armageddon. It could have been. Uh, maybe we should invite maybe a refugee on the podcast and ask how their experience in maybe, I don't know, Afghanistan or Iraq compares with having the bins emptied on at six o'clock in I the morning. I just flicked an elastic band. <laughs> Rob, you find a refugee. That's right, my nipple. You find a refugee and we'll bring them on an interview. Okay. And it could be our first guest. Deal. Good. Right, Rob, to get on to the, uh, the meat of this podcast now, um, I've just got a couple of stories um, for you which are kind of related and um, they do come from the new shopper and they are, well, they are to do with the editor-in-chief right. of, uh, of the new shopper, Andrew Parks. Now, for long-time listeners of this show, you'll know that for a while we included a feature where I would report on Andrew Parks, the very odd editor of the new shopper, and he would do a weekly editorial called Editor's Eye. And I don't know how many episodes we got them in for, probably about 20, and then he mysteriously, yeah. he stopped doing them. No word in the paper of why they'd stopped nothing. And now, now the only time we ever hear from him, I believe, are in these burning questions topics, which are asking very tawdry, moribund sort of questions, which only Andrew Parks could think up, so they must be by him. I must, I'd say, I still maintain that we had a hand in him sort of, Decided to end the editor's eye feature because well, yeah, so we, we did set up a Facebook page around. Well, it, it, it was it was an angriest hack for anyone who wants. To yeah, it's still there because um, it was around the time that he followed us on Twitter that the, the stories mysteriously stopped. No, that is absolutely true. Well, you can post this on there because this is actually officially by Andrew Park. Oh, fantastic! Okay, and it's very uh, very apt because it's a very so. And again, you think this is the editor and this is what he churns out. Twenty fourth of January. Ten obvious signs you're getting older. Has middle age oh, crept Jesus up on Christ. you? So they're continuing with the, with the ten signs, are they? Or yeah, the ten oh, points the ten I've got, facts. I've got another one of those. Oh, yeah, 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 it's a new <laughs> thing. Let's, oh, good. Coming from the man, right, who's established a feature where he says hello in different languages. <laughs> yes, but at least that's over in a matter of seconds, <laughs> and we move on. Okay. Um... To be fair, this, this to me shows the most self-awareness I've seen Andrew Park show, Rob. Really? This a turning is, point, perhaps. This is his article. 
Waking up with a new ache or pain not related to your mattress being past its best. Spotting the odd wrinkle or two when you look in the mirror. It might be that your carefree wild youth is packing its bags and is about to be replaced by the respectable, sensible, slipper-loving new tenant known as middle age. Someone said that to him, clearly. Confirm whether this transformation has snuck up on you while you've not been paying attention by seeing if you relate to any of these ten obvious signs you're getting older. Oh, fantastic. Okay. Number one, you start to wee when you get the opportunity, not just when you need to. (laughs) I've been doing that since age 15. Yeah. (laughs) Two, you need glasses to read anything after 9pm. No, I'm still okay. Number three, then you realise you can't see where you're weeing. What? You need glasses to read anything after 9pm. Oh. Then you realise you can't see where you're wearing. So it's number three. He's linked. So he's been pissing on his feet a lot, has he? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> number four, you become more crotchety and intolerant. Yeah, that's, not, that's happening. Rob, can you stop doing this? You're I'm concerned, Alex. Rob, I'm you're in your late 20s. Yeah, yeah, you're not approaching middle age, so you chipping in with your stupid, inane comments is unneeded. Right. Number five... <laughs> Number five, you realise you're more crotchety and intolerant because you can't see and can't move or think as fast as you used to be able to. You see, he's linking them together. Number six, it goes without saying that music is too loud and you can't understand the words. Number seven, you appreciate all comfortable, warm clothing and never shut up about how comfortable and warm things are. Number eight, you lose your glasses, can't remember where you left them, give give up to make a cup of tea and then find them in the fridge. Number nine, <laughs> if you don't go to bed before 10.30pm, you're exhausted, but infuriatingly wake up every Saturday at 7am sharp. Number ten, you develop a distrust of the Welsh and the French, and most worryingly, you convince yourself this is reasonable. <laughs> at least there's some self-awareness about xenophobia there, Rob. Yeah, no, that's, that's true. I, <coughs> I, I, I think these may apply only to him. I may be wrong. Rob, but, uh, Rob I do appreciate I've read out ten, and so you think that's where the list ends. But remember, Andrew Parks is also a sharp... Uh, have a sharp wit about him. Number 11. Your short-term memory is so bad you forget this is supposed to be a list of 10 things. Hilarious. Th- this is the editor, clever voice on This is the editor. Oh, sorry. Um, I should uh, remark that there is more to this article. And the article continues. Don't despair, though, if these indicators are already familiar to you. Age is still nothing but a number and you're still only as old as you feel. Yada, yada, yada. And if you're really worried about getting on a bit, there are some simple steps you can follow to show you're still young at heart, such as driving an impractical sports car, dressing like your children, or banging on about what a huge Chase and Status fan you are. All of these things are bound to make people think you're at least 20 years younger than you actually are. And that's where I see self-awareness about his midlife crisis here. <laughs> so, what the fuck is this story about? <laughs> Um, well, it's just, I think it's him commenting on his own mortality again. I will definitely put this onto the, the uh, Britain's Language hack page yeah, because yes, it please. is absolute drivel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Two comments, Rob. Yeah. Simon Ball simply says, I love this comment. Just says, wow, that is terrible. <laughs> now, we don't know if he's commenting on the story or I really sorry for you that all these things are happening to you or what, but it's just a brilliant... It could also be sarcasm. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, Tim Eakins says, I'm a, I'm a young... F- it's not great, r- greatly written, this one, but bear with it. I'm a young 52 where contact lenses like loud music such as rock stroke metal, some new music stroke 70s soul can dance most people off the floor. My husband's colleagues are very impressed that I don't look 50 like their wives who seem to be turning into their old-fashioned mothers. I'm often mistaken for someone who is 10 to 15 years, years younger. Irish genes, don't smoke, try to eat healthy most of the time, plenty of water and the odd long walk. Age is all in the mind. Why give up when you get to 40 or 50? Yeah, absolutely. It's a, it's a good point. Yeah. Why post that? I, I, I think like, the only sort of logical reason I can think to post that, that, that comment is, is just because she's trying to, to defend herself. Make herself feel better. Yeah. Now, Rob, burning questions from the new shopper. 
which I believe are written by Andrew Parks. Of course. Uh, this has got to be written by Andrew Parks. Burning questions, as you know, always, uh, you know, it's always a hot topic of the day. <laughs> yeah. Burning questions, washing your hands after going to the toilet. Do you right. always do it? Do you think he's got a Rolodex of these? Every time he thinks of a question, he writes it down, and they just ch- they probably churn these out daily. I, I this is scraping the bottom of the barrel, Rob. But Alex, I mean, you, you say that, but this is still Parks at his best. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This is a sweeping generalisation, but it seems to me that most men don't wash their hands after going to the toilet. It's not based on any sort of study, just a casual observation <laughs> from places where I've used communal gents lose. Okay. Having never been in a ladies' toilet, I can't speak for the other sex, but unless women are decidedly more hygienic than men, I suspect there's a good few who don't bother giving their hands a rinse either. And I'll just say to you, Rob, I'm going to mouth something off air so the listener won't be able to hear. It is true that a lot of women don't wash their hands using a toilet, and I'm going to mouth to you the name of one person who you might want to know never washes their hands when they use the loo. Really? Yeah, never. Why is that? Does it surprise you, Rob? Well, no. That's, that's... Does it make you worry, though? Anyway, anyway, moving on. We need to keep that strictly confidential. Yeah. Have it at, with, with up to 40,000 germs per square inch on the handle of a public toilet, why doesn't everyone clean their hands? Are you a sanitary person who always washes after going to the loo and scowls at those who don't? Or are you someone who flushes and flees with grubby hands? Do you perhaps not see the point of doing it? Keep it clean and post your comments below about whether you think washing your hands is important and whether you always do it. You, you know, Rob, he's, he's getting paid a salary for this, yeah? But people reply, Alex, and it's... Because they keep replying, he's going to keep asking these mundane questions. Um, well, there were only three comments, Rob, and... Uh, yeah, still, and, three and, more than should be. And uh, none of them were worth reading out. Right. <laughs> Kaz B simply says, so this is news, lol. <laughs> and then... That could be a tagline for the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> okay, Rob, have you got a story for us? I have, um... The I have a bit of a confession to make, and maybe it's not me that me that needs to make the confession. But um, over the past few weeks, you have been obviously doing the top ten, which have been featuring quite heavily in the uh, news shopper. I'm not sure if the Australian journals taken leaf out of their book. Do you think but, it's a, a craze sweeping local newspapers? Well, not so much a craze. I think it's, it's just poor journalism. So this week in the Australian News and Journal, the story by Katie Wilson. Ten issues that will always cause a protest in Stroud. Um, I'm just going to read the introduction and then, if you'd like, you can try and guess what these are. I th- well, I'd be very chuffed if I could guess one. Yeah, well, it's a possibility. Placard-waving protesters are as much a part of the Stroud architecture as the subscription rooms or the Slad Valley. Are they? I didn't know that Stroud was famed for its sort of... Um... You know, an- anarchic well, tendencies. Or... We knew that, that Stroud had had its sort of left-wing leanings. Yeah, but I thought they'd crushed dissent. Well, apparently people are fighting back. Right. Stroudies are a passionate bunch, and the citizens of this town have a history of protests going back to the Stroud Water Riots of 1825. Here's a list of the top ten issues Stroudies are most likely to take to the streets over, so next time you see someone waving a placard in the high street, you have better under- so you have a better understanding... As to what they're upset about. So, ten issues, Alex, that really get the Stroudies up on their feet. Well, I've never been to Stroud, as I've said, so, but I, obviously I know a fair bit about it. Well, I, I feel I've got a sense of the place, kind of, yeah. through your stories. Of but course, yeah. I, can't, I mean, to have to think of ten. I imagine one of them is probably something to do with roads, or the state of roads. It's not, no, but it's, it's a good guess. 
Well, it's not a good guess because it was. Well, wrong. it's wrong, yeah, obviously. But you think what, that? What the fuck? I didn't think. I didn't think anything would. I didn't know that they were doing this. That would. That would drive them out. I mean, the anti-war. They're not going to be protesting about wars. That. One of them, really. Wars. One of them. Well, yeah. Who the fuck do they care? <laughs> you could say that about a lot of the things on this list. <laughs> war. Um, okay. Okay. Something about the environment. Yeah, I'll give you that. There's, there, there, you might need to know. Maybe about railways cutting through their land or something. No, although. Uh, Wind turbines. I'll stop you there. Okay, so the list is as follows. Mm. So there's the uh, the first one is, and it's been in the Australian agenda, but I haven't covered it because it's, it's just dull. Is the Javelin Park incinerator, which uh, they've been uh, the local council have been trying to build for some time. What the fuck is a Javelin Park incinerator? It's a an incinerator that's um, located built in on Javelin the... Park. Yes. Yeah. Why is it called Javelin Park? Uh, doesn't sorry. Javelin Park incinerate, incinerator protest is a brilliant episode. <laughs> yes, it is. It's very mysterious. It is. Yeah. Can we please have that? It, yeah, absolutely. That's, 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 a, that's a combination of words. Javelin mm. Park and incinerator are three like that's just been plucked out of the dictionary. <laughs> yeah? yeah, Javelin Park incinerator. Yeah. Um, the second one is the uh, Stroud Steiner Free School. I mean, right, well, well, uh, right. a Steiner school being built in Stroud. Right. The third is housing. Right. The fourth is store wars. Store wars. Store, as in like um, shop. Store wars, as right. in like a superstore. Right. Um, the farmers market. Right. War. They'd be out protesting against the farmers. Market. <laughs> no, 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 not against the farmers market. In favour of the farmers market. Well, you'd come out placards over there. <coughs> okay. Right. Yep. Uh, Save our market. Oh, because Rob's just showing me a picture of people waving placards yep. with Save our market written on it. Uh, war, as, as we mentioned. Uh, the badger coal. Right. Privatisation of the NHS. Okay, good on them. Yeah. yeah. Fracking. Right. And anything to do with the post office. <laughs> <laughs> Which is exactly what it says. <laughs> right. Uh, Presumably it's to do with it closing, not that they don't like it. Yeah. Uh, They're very left. Whether it's closing they? a branch or reducing the opening hours. Um, there are comments on the story, and I think we need to focus on the comments just to say that I think the, the good sort of left-wing spirit still remains in, in Stroud. Um, so a Stroud worm comments, and he, he gives his, his own personal opinion on the, on the ten uh, issues. Incinerator? Please no. Stroud, Stroud Steiner Free School? Please yes. <laughs> Housing? Build them all. Stores? Don't build any more. Farmer's Market? Brilliant. <laughs> War? Bad. Badger coal, unnecessary. Privatisation of the NHS, unnecessary. Fracking, unnecessary. Anything to do with the post office, whatever. <laughs> it's a man of few words. <laughs> yeah. He's very efficient, he's yeah. a language. Newby Brown says, I love, that we're, we, I love that we are such a lively area. There's no apathy here, no willing to be walked over. If only we had more autonomy and fewer orders from on high. Stroud run for sorry Stroud run for and by Stroud would be a far better place. Can I say there's a curious mix of ideologies in Stroud? It does seem to me this perfect melting pot, but, but melting pot between left and right views, where they're, they're they're I mean it's not to say they're contradictory. It's just it's interesting, isn't it? Because on the one hand, some of it sounds quite left leaning, yeah. but of course. From a leftist perspective, stuff would be con- controlled by the centre and by the state. But on the other hand, there's this real, quite passionate, almost, you know, Tory ideologue there going on, Absolutely. which is about small state and wanting autonomy and wanting to be left to do things by ourselves. Yeah. I have to say, I'm growing quite, an, after this article, I've grown quite an affection for the people of Stroud because they sound like they're a, a spunky bunch. Yeah, well, it's maybe well, weirdos, really. 
Well, we know that they're a slimy <laughs> bunch, of course, because wasn't weren't they the ones who were looking at porn all the time? Yes, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, JT eight nine three seven says. Now, this is going back to the very first episode, so the mayor and the trawlerman. Mm. The mayor's name is Majorum, if you remember. No. Uh, well, it was. I can remember Majorum up a tree trying to stop Tesco's. Didn't he do well? Up a tree? Yeah. So what he did he was... Try- he was protesting against Tesco's, which unfortunately got built. And he was the mayor? He was a mayor, yeah. Mm. Uh, Richie5817 says, Lol. Are all these people robots? <laughs> KT605Z... <laughs> I don't These are the automatons <laughs> <laughs> from State Control Media. That's true. In. You're right because no one would actually choose the the, the, the handle Richie five eight one seven, like you said, okay. unless they were manufactured. Yeah, it's a new Terminator line. <laughs> Response to the article: Lol, and that's why I moved to Calendar. Stroud is full of green anti-war whack jobs. <laughs> Hang on a minute. <laughs> green anti-war whack jobs is a fucking good episode title. <laughs> No? Yeah, true. Yeah. I don't think we've ever had the phrase whack jobs on local anaesthetic before, but I love it. Yeah. And uh, a Stroud worm responds to uh, Richie to saying, if you don't like us green anti-war whack jobs, you could have tried Dursley, which well, is just on the The point I would have made is, if you didn't like this area so much, why the fuck are you keeping up on local events in Stroud? I know, why are you in Canada <laughs> reading a Stroud News Journal? Yeah, with longing... <laughs> Okay, Rob, I've got a couple of stories for us here because they are, well, you'll see immediately in the way in which they are linked. The first one I was actually going to read out last week and didn't get the chance. Um, And it was from the New Shopper, again. And the uh, story was by, does it have a journalist? Yes, it was by Mark Chandler. Thought it would be, this would be up the alley of Tim McFarlane there. But uh, it's from the 20th of January, and the headline is, Plumstead Kebab Cockroach Made Me Sick. <laughs> Plumstead Kebab Cockroach, also a good episode title. But maybe was, not was he shows. making the kebab? I'm not sure. It was supposed to be a night in with a tasty kebab, but this Charlton family ended up vomiting in the toilet after discovering <laughs> a cockroach lurking in their pit of bread. <laughs> Wesley Powell, interesting name. Wesley Powell? Okay. Wesley. Wesley oh. Powell. Wesley Powell, yeah. yeah. He sounds like a man who maybe should have written hymns in the 18th century. Yeah, John, I think, yeah, I think yeah. I'm thinking of John Wesley, although I don't know what century that was. Was that 18th century? That was 18th century. Was it? Yeah. That was good. Yeah. yeah. Maybe not. Didn't he have a brother? Uh, yeah. Charles Wesley? Charles Wesley. Yes, it was Charles Wesley. Wesley Powell was at home in Little Heath with his wife and mum when they ordered three kebabs, chips and drinks from the surprise takeaway in Plumstead High Street. Which oh, is I'm a sorry. Great, it's I'm a great sorry. name, though. If you get a cockroach in your bit of bread calling yourself a surprise takeaway. What are they takeaway? expecting? Yeah. Look at the clues in the title. It's like a kinder egg. Yeah, exactly. A kinder pitter. Yeah. With a horrible surprise. Does anybody buy kinder eggs anymore? And are the toys in them just shit now? Because I used to really like them. I've bought kinder egg within the last six months. Have you? Yeah. And what did you get in it? Cockroach? <laughs> Fortunately not, I would have been more impressed by that. No, I think they, they, they've, they've kind of gone for more educational yeah. toys. Like with but it was always something vaguely... Because they're Scandinavian, aren't they? Yeah. You always get something sort of... Yeah. It's, it's, gonna, it's, not, yeah, it's, it's kind of things... Yeah, you know, it's, it's like Scandinavian. You know, you try to care about it, but you're not really that bothered. Yeah. Not really, you know, you don't really want to deal with anything that comes, comes out of there. No. I agree with that, Fenton. There were no problems with the... With two of the meals, and Mr. Powell had chomped through most of his own delicious donor before making a shocking discovery. There was a dead bug hidden beneath the last two slices well, of meat. Well, at least it was dead. The 22-year-old dad of one explained, I'd pretty much finished, but something told me to look more carefully at my food, and there it was. 
a dead cockroach. Oh, God, as soon as I knew, I looked. As soon as I looked at it, I knew it was some sort of bug. I googled it just to see what. Doesn't everybody know what a cockroach looks like? Is it quite big? Surely, yeah. Actually, you could identify it straight away. <laughs> yeah, when well, he googled it anyway. <laughs> Mr. Powell hopes he didn't wolf down any more bugs before he made the discovery, and whose mum and wife had already finished their meal, which is irrelevant. Added. <laughs> <laughs> to be quite honest with you, it made me physically sick. My mum looked at it and went to the toilet and started puking up. It wasn't really a good experience. <laughs> Did you need to add that last sentence? <laughs> Would you like to see this thing that he needed to Google to check what it was? I think I'd know what that was pretty immediately, but. Yeah, I don't think there's... It's a pretty hefty cockroach there, Rob. Yeah, I I don't don't think there's any... Why would you see the clarification? It's quite obvious what that is. (laughs) Ever since that night, I can't eat a kebab. Just thinking about it is making me cringe. Is it keeping up up at night? Probably. Mr. Powell, who took the kebab back to the shop, said, when we confronted them about it, they said, it's not a cockroach, it's a bug. (laughs) 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 Well, let's not... Let's not argue over fucking semantics. I've got, an in- I've got an insect in my. That's not a cockroach. That's a leech. It sounds like a Monty Python sketch <laughs> uh, of a dead parrot society, a dead dead parrot sketch variety. Yeah, the dead parrot society. That's a good name. That is dead a good name for some sort of group, yeah, or, or even a uh, podcast hmm. or a band. He managed to get his money back, but both he and 44-year-old mum, Jane Elliott, complained to Greenwich Council. Mr Powell said we just thought, what if it happened to somebody else, we had to report them. As New Shopper reported last week, a health inspection visit to Surprise last September, after Mr Powell's experience, found more roaches in the storeroom and freezers. For your... Oh, describe for the listener. I'm not even sure what that is, but... That's where they probably cook the chips. That looks like a massive slug. Yeah. But that is disgusting. It's just covered in grease and various other... Bits and pieces. Owner Sefula Osmanze was found guilty at Bromley Magistrates Court on January 7th of breaching food hygiene regulations and was fined £2,250 in order to pay a further £1,500 in costs. A worker at the takeaway, who would identify himself only as Noor, told New Shopper, there's not cockroaches anymore, everything's killed. (laughs) (laughs) Which is one of my favourite ever... (laughs) Can I do it in a... Can I do it in a... I'm not... I know this is stereotype, but let me do it in a sort of accent. There's not cockroaches anymore. Everything's killed. Reminds me of Colonel Gaddafi's sort of (laughs) things he come out with. (laughs) We've exterminated the cockroaches. Everything's been killed. My entire population is dead. (laughs) Everything's been killed, Rob. But the the impression... The the sentence, everything's been killed, implied that there was a lot more there than just cockroaches. (laughs) The foxes, <laughs> the rabbits, the slugs. It's a very, it's a very good point. Well, I, I actually hadn't thought of that. Yeah, <laughs> the bats in the basement, everything. We've incinerated all of the wild animals. Yeah. Well, I, there's only one comment I want to read out. <laughs> I took issue with this. White Rabbit Nine says a family goes into a kebab house. Zombies. I don't understand that word. I thought kebab houses were for drunken idiots. After that girl got chopped up and used for kebab meat, I am shocked anyone goes to these places, even families. So I what? <laughs> Apparently, I, I hadn't heard that. But the point is, I want to say, I go to, there's a kebab place in Sydney I go to quite regularly. You do, re- the, do, do people realise when you go to a kebab shop, yes, there is the Donna stuff that turns on a wheel, yep. but you can also buy fresh meat on the You don't have to have the yeah, spinning you can, stick. Yeah, you can actually get fresh meat there that isn't bad for you, that's grilled, not yep. fried. Yeah. I, I think people don't like to do that because they're, they're you know, I wouldn't like to say sort of um, reluctant to eat that foreign muck, but I, I think that may be the suggestion. 
Well, good point, Rob. Now, the, the next story I have here, Rob, which I said was connected. I don't. This was seven days later, and they made no reference to this earlier story. So I believe it was. It, this is just pure coincidence on right, okay. part. But you know how they, they've been liking to do their top ten list recently. Well, to be fair, they've been about a day in history, haven't they? Yeah. And but this has nothing to do with it. It's just very random. I think Andrew Park sitting around again. They're desperate for stories, and so he just pulled this out of the roller deck. He's asked uh, a journalist called Dan Keel to do it, who I've never heard of. Wow. I think he's probably, this is his, this is his, I think this is his rookie assignment. Do you think he's the intern? Yeah, I think <laughs> rookie assignment. Ten, ten things you didn't know about cockroaches. <laughs> yeah? Oh, okay. Oh, they did link it. I apologise, new shopper. Last week reported how surprise, exclamation mark, takeaway in Plumstead received a slap on the wrist from food hygiene chiefs after cockroaches were found in the freezer. Here we bring you ten ugly facts about the creepy crawlies. Number one, you will probably eat one today. There are eight insect parts in an average chocolate bar. What? Cockroach contamination can occur when food is being grown. The only way to stop it would be to be to use a lot more pesticide, which is worse than a small contribution to your daily protein intake. What the fuck? I've got a chocolate bar in my bag. I was yeah. looking forward to that. Yeah. Enjoy, Rob. Oh. Number two, you can remote control a cockroach. <laughs> Gluing a receiver onto the back of a cockroach <laughs> with electrodes okay, inserted... With electrodes inserted into its antennae, makes it possible to remotely control where they walk. It's so accurate, scientists are able to make the creatures follow a preset curved path. Can you imagine finding a, ro- a cockroach and and brutally <laughs> putting this electrode onto it and then remote controlling it? Do you not think if I was you any could go other animal, you could go and walk a cockroach in the park? <laughs> if I was any other animal, animal rights would be up in arms, man. Yeah, exactly, hypocrites, Rob. Yeah. Fucking hypocrites. Number three, cockroaches don't like mornings. Scientists have discovered that when a cockroach wakes up, right. they are unable to form new memories until after a few hours. So if you want to do something, if you want to do something untoward towards a cockroach, do it in the early hours of the morning because it won't remember what happened, Rob. So I'm not I'm not advocating like anything sexual. So you could you could potentially sexually molest a cockroach, then fit it with this you know, this little uh, receiver and then let you know take it off into the little nowhere and it wouldn't remember anything. Exactly. Yeah. And the next day you bring it back again. It's remarkable. Do that, it again. It's remarkable that you are <laughs> that your your mind has gone to that to that place. Rob. Number four, techies love cockroaches. Many robots have been based upon the inner workings of cockroaches. Tech geeks invented a uh, Velociroach, the second fastest robot with legs ever. It uses six legs to zoom across the room at nearly ten kilometers per hour, six miles per hour, nearly twice as fast as an actual cockroach. Great. Five, cockroaches are now farmed for medicine. Cockroaches are now farmed in China as their value has increased tenfold in the last four years. Powdered cockroaches used in traditional remedies, but cosmetic companies also use them as a source of protein. Number six, a new super cockroach has been born. The cold New York winters usually keep roach numbers at a manageable level, but the big apple is now suffering at the hand of a new Asian breed, which can survive whatever the weather. Populations are soaring. Okay. Number seven, cockroach fighting is bigger than one direction in China. Cockroach racing and cockroach fighting is growing rapidly in both the US and China. The New York Times carried a report in 1886 of, I think... So what? That's oh yeah, that- no, no, this is 1886 of a group of Chinese people travelling around major cities and staging roach fights, bringing in thousands of dollars in bets. Considering those are 1886 dollars, that's not bad. Eight, Russia knows how to deal with roaches. Russia's capital city, Moscow, has seen roach numbers plummet in the last few years. Um, entomologists called for some species to be classed as endangered and for a colony to be set up as a zoo. People blamed everything from cell tower radiation to genetically modified food, but a much more plausible explanation is simply that the city's building standards are improving, which is why they don't have... Okay, right. Number nine, scientists once found dinosaur poo inside a cockroach. Nuff said. 
Alex, I, I'm, still, I'm, I'm struggling to, to keep my attention on the story. Last point, Rob. Okay. Number 10. Yank dies in cockroach eating contest. <laughs> a Florida man died shortly after a pet shop held a roach eating competition with a python as a prize. He suffocated <laughs> after choking. Sorry. <laughs> so you eat the roaches and you get a, a killer python to take home. Okay. Only in America, right? Yep. He suffocated after choking on bits of cockroach which became lodged in his throat. So as I said, Rob, enjoy that chocolate bar on your way home. Right, Rob, that's me done for this week. You got some stories for us? Yeah. Um, I've got three short stories, then I'll go on to the listener story of the week. However, the first story I actually heard mentioned on the podcast, and it's not for my usual papers. Oh, you God. heard this on another podcast? Yeah, I heard this on another podcast. But Alex, I had to find this story. I had to make sure that it was right. Why were they reading out? What's the theme of this podcast? This theme is actually on BBC, one of BBC Wells' uh, Oh, right. But they, all, they do sort of occasionally find sort of these sort of local stories the same as basically local stories that we do that you know slightly inane but quite comical the story is from the Argus which covers Dundalk in Ireland okay um, if this story doesn't encapsulate what our podcast is about nothing will the headline there's no journalist list by the way the headline Pavlova stolen as in like a raspberry pavlova right? yes right a, po- a Pavlova's was the only item stolen during a break-in at a house on the Avenue Road on Saturday. The house was un- unoccupied between 6pm and 7pm and the glass in the back room was broken and the alarm was activated. A Pavlova in the kitchen was taken. Why would you break into a house <laughs> and only steal a Pavlova? Yes. It's a good question. I have no idea. Uh, it doesn't... Say- I mean, and that's the sort of story that could only be reported in Britain, by yeah, the way. Yeah, yeah. Well, My unknown. only thinking is that I mean, there's, there's not enough background to the story that maybe the uh, the owners of the house or may have been some sort of chef and the Pavlova was a secret recipe and maybe there was a, a rival uh, was chef thinking, or baker. Well, it's good um, thinking. Yeah. You shouldn't have left the police. Yeah, well, you know, I had to. They forced me out. My next story, they're, <laughs> they're both from um, the uh, Croydon Advertiser. Um, <laughs> I think they're, they're both brilliant. Let's do, and I'll do this one first. The headline, huge double rainbow brightens up Croydon Town Centre. Croydon Town Centre needs brightening up, I would imagine a double rainbow would do it. Exactly. Who said that Croydon couldn't look beautiful? This picture, I'll show you a picture obviously, uh, was taken by John Bonus. uh, The picture's going to be terrible, isn't it? Do you know what? It's not bad. Oh right, okay. Yeah. Uh, shows how the t- town centre was bathed in light this afternoon, uh, sorry, the, this Tuesday, brackets lunchtime, by a huge double rainbow spanning our supposedly brutalist landscape. <laughs> Other key photographers also snapped... Uh, a chip on your shoulder. Oh, no, yeah. <laughs> People aren't going on all the time about Croydon. Just, no, they just, just say it's a shithole. Yeah. Um, also poster snaps of the rainbow on Twitter, bring a little light, literally, into a cold winter's day in the town. Uh, Matt Turnell tweeted, the only pretty thing I've ever seen in Croydon. Hashtag rainbow. Uh, despite the appearance of the rainbow, rumours Zippy, George, Jeffrey and Bungle yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, are being lined yeah, up yeah, yeah, to take yeah, on the Tories yeah, and Labour yeah. in the May elections appear to be wide of the mark. Why did they bring elections into I don't it? know. It doesn't, it, uh, there's no reason for that. It doesn't be mentioned me whatsoever. Right, there we go. Now, I have a bit of an issue with this. Right, there's the picture. That is beautiful, but where's the double rainbow? Exactly. There's one rainbow. That's one. Oh, I think rainbow. a double rainbow. I know what that means. You know, a double rainbow means where you get the full rainbow. Oh, is that what it is? Do you see? It would only be half across. Do you know how you get it going across half the sky? 
No, I think that's what it means. Yeah, you probably. The point right. is that is stunning. Yeah. Uh, said so my next story is also uh, from the Coin Advertiser. Right. Uh, there's no journalist listed. It just says it's by the Coin Advertiser. Swan killed by gust of wind in South Norwood. A swan was killed by a gust of wind in yes, South Norwood. That's right, yeah. What a story! It's a what, a, what, a he- what a headline! <laughs> so I must have been gust of this wind. Thing. I thought Swan would, be, would sort of be engine, evolutionary engineered to, uh, to, 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 to be able to face such uh, environmental well, so, hazards yeah. as, as wind. I mean, you thought they, I mean, when I've seen this one, I mean, my initial thought is it looks quite streamlined, but maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> a swan was killed by a gust of wind in the South Norwood Country Park last Thursday, January 23rd. Right. The bird, one of two mute swans in the, in the, in the park's lake, was blown into a bush <laughs> while... <laughs> Sorry, was blown to a bush while taking off and died. <laughs> what hell? Because <laughs> he was blown to a bush. What sort of a. It died. It must have it been. Blown into a bush, Alex. Well, there must have been a, a swan that was imminently about to die anyway, either heavily injured or, or terminally ill, because it, it, it went off to take its laugh, because it must have been so weak. So it just say, it said mute swans. I wonder if these swans were so deaf. Maybe deaf and dumb. I mean, it must be quite a gust of wind. What's death got to do with it? Well, maybe we didn't hear it. Right. We'll see the conditions. But even if it had heard it, why would be thrown, Why would being blown to a bush kill it? I, I don't know. It doesn't. The story doesn't say anymore. Did it get skewered on a particularly sharp branch? Quite possibly. A council spokesman said it was a sad and unfortunate <laughs> accident. A council spokesman <laughs> yes. came out to talk about this. Yeah. Because mute swans are rarer, aren't they? Oh, I don't know. Well, I imagine no, I now it was probably a, the partner of the other one. Quite possibly. Quite possibly. And uh, just to really sort of sum up the story, there's just one comment. Uh, by VHM1234 says, Oh, how sad. I <laughs> send that story out. Right. <laughs> Uh, Rob, it's, we're approaching the end of our podcast, and that means it's time for our listener story segment of the week. Yes. Um, no, it's not our listener story segment of the week. Our listener story of the week, which is a segment. Yeah. Just to be clear. Just to clarify that. We don't have many listener story segments, and then we pick out which one is best. There is only one segment, but it features our best listener story of the week. So anyway, uh, yeah, so a friend of mine at work... Basically, highlight this story for me. But it, the, the story took place in Stoke on Trent. So I actually, I actually uh, tweeted Sean, who lives in Stoke on Trent, and said, "Could you find this story for me?" And he came up Trump, so he's found the story. Normally, you think Sean would have emailed us already; he would have had his finger on the pulse. I know. Maybe well, he did say he, I think he forgot to send it, but it only happened uh, last week. So the story. This is from the Sentinel. Uh, the journalist is by Amy. Redfern and the headline and you have to bear with this right a man walks into a tunstall bar naked from the waist down carrying a bag of sex toys and says what's the problem <laughs> flasher David Sheraton shocked drinkers by walking into a pub naked from the waist down what was he wearing on top a shirt uh, jumper I think he was wearing a jumper yeah right. so I'm just imagining a jumper and nut starkers beneath shoes it doesn't say doesn't say I think he'd be wearing boots I think he would be wearing shoes yeah Right. Okay. The fifty-one was the fifty-one-year-old was also carrying a bag 
containing items of a sexual nature when he went to the, when he went into the White Hart pub in Tunstall. Carer Sheraton then turned towards customers and, and told them. So he's a carer. Yep, he's a carer. Carer Sheraton. Yeah, I thought he says. was missing his carer. <laughs> yeah, well, you think, wouldn't you? Uh, then turned towards customers and told them, "If anyone has a problem with me, then they can take it outside." <laughs> unprovoked, he says. Unprovoked, this. completely unprovoked. This is a man experiencing some sort of breakdown, Rob. Yeah, I think it might be. So this man walks into a pub with a bag of dildos. We don't know that. Naked from the no, waist. No, we fit after the sexual age. Could be sex dolls, could be pornographic magazines, could be anything. At the end of the story, it, apparently it was sort of vibrators and dildos. Right. Yeah. Police later arrested Sheraton after one of the drunkers saw the defendant leave the Roundwell Street pub and walk towards a group of children. Fucking hell. Now, Sheraton of High Street, Tunstall, has been handed a 12-month community order after uh, admitting causing harassment, alarm and distress. (laughs) Uh, A a charge of outraging public decency had earlier been dropped by prosecutors. The incident happened around 10... uh, 10 past 10 on November the 16th. In the evening, yeah? Yeah, in the evening. Not in the morning. <laughs> I mean, there are limits here, Alex. Uh, P- prosecutor Steve Knowles told North uh, Staffordshire Justice Centre a witness at the White Hart saw Mr Cheriton enter the bar. He wasn't wearing any clothes on the lower half of his body. She was shocked by his appearance. He turned to face the customer and said, if anyone has a problem with me, then they can take it outside. He then left the pub and a short time later, the witness saw... Uh, the witness also left as well. Again, she saw Mr. Sheraton in a state of nakedness and decided to call the police due to the fact he was walking towards a group of children. Uh, police, are, uh, police arrived and he was detained. There was also a bag containing uh, clothing and a, number of sexual, uh, and a number of items of sexual nature which were handed to police. Officers discovered Sheraton was carrying amphetamines. Oh. <laughs> um, he told police he may have taken too much of the drug. <laughs> oh, well now I feel bad for him then because he's basically he's probably been experimenting taken too much and then he's just gone and done something with you know can you blame this, quite, this isn't conscious intent is it this is like a, this is like having a hallucination or something he's, he's lost the plot Rob yeah no I agree with that but also he walked into a pub and he actually stated that if anyone has a problem with this, so he, that he must have known what his attire was, then they can take it outside. Yeah, I'm not saying he didn't know, but he sounds to me like he was in an altered state of consciousness, Rob. Yeah. Sheraton also admitted uh, possessing a Class B drug and breached a conditional, dis- uh, a conditional discharge for stealing a jacket from Matalan. <laughs> <laughs> this is all speed related then. And he's, he's gone to Matalan, he's stolen a jacket, which is a crime in and of itself. Well, exactly. well not just in Jackie, but going to Matalan or even steal Jackie. Yeah, it doesn't say whether he was in this state of undress while going to meet Matalan, which might, you know, might have helped him out. He could have at least tied around his waist. Uh, the <laughs> court heard Sheraton had turned to amphetamines after suffering personal problems. Oh, oh a nervous breakdown. <laughs> Hayley Keegan, defending, said the use of alcohol had previously been one of the issues around his offending. Um, this has progressed the use of amphetamines. Oh, so he's offended before, has he? Yeah. Um... He used it originally to help him get through the working day. Speed. <laughs> Is that a good idea? <laughs> no. Uh, and then to try to deal with his emotional turmoil he was suffering with regards to his partner and child. The offence has given him the opportunity to seek help to resolve his issues because he is shocked and concerned that he would have committed this type of offence and his recollection of it is so vague and limited. Care to, care to know what, what the costs were he had to pay? I'd say he had to pay... Uh, is it to the pub he had to pay it? Uh, yes. 
I say he had to pay £25. Uh, it's more than that, actually. It was £85. Right. There's comments on the story, I'm sure. Do, how do they... How do they come up with these amounts? I like the idea there's some sort of you know, massive uh, database, yeah. <laughs> and it just uh, and every possible scenario has been worked out against uh, a monetary charge. <laughs> yeah. uh, so, uh, Robert57 says, And all the visitors for the Robbie Williams bus tour of Tunstall are in for a treat. Ladies and gentlemen, if you look to your left, you'll see a half-naked drunk man, on your, and on your right, a group of druggies. Hole in hole which is slightly odd comment to name, says uh, he was only on his way back to the end summer's winter sales. Now, uh, this comment I find slightly... Uh, I don't know whether it's confusing or whether she was in the pub at the time of the incident. So just bear with me. Right. So it's uh, Miss D585. Mm-hmm. She says, came into the pub and the person behind the bar looked at him and said, is it freezing outside then, is it? And started to smile. He banged on the on the bar and shouted, "Bloody Mary!" I think this person was there. No, this person's on speed drop. Yeah, that's true. He was told Mary was not working tonight, so bloody go away, or worse to that effect. Little prick. <laughs> then they saw what was in the bag. Summed it up, a bigger knob than he had. They thought the cheek of it, complete and utter fucker. <laughs> <laughs> Completely enough, a fucker would be a good episode. Riviere Arova says, Poor bloke is dyslexic. He thought he walked into a white. What? I can't word that out. So the pub is called the White Heart. If he was, dyslex- if he was dyslexic, what would that word have been? Hmm. There's somebody out there who already knows the answer. And it's been starred out, and I can't think of a swear. Can I see word. the comment. Here we go. Right. Sometimes it helps to see it. He thought so he, poor bloke is dyslexic. He thought he was the white... He thought it was the white. Tart? Possibly. Yeah. yeah. Most likely. Focus Boy said, It's a pity that someone didn't just point his tackle and say, Oh look, it's, it's just like a prick, only smaller. Uh, not funny. Your comment's not funny. And the final comment goes to uh, GDM77 who says, He must have had a naked ambition... For someone to pull his pump. I feel quite sorry for Alex. Well, yeah, we're laughing at somebody who was going through a difficult stage in, a, in their lives and was turning to amphetamines as a way to, you know, help them, help them through it, maybe inadvisedly, inadvisedly. Can I just say something, Rob? They were not sex toys in that bag. It was a courgette and two tomatoes, right? I was making a spaghetti bolognese. Well... Alex, I'm, I'm sorry to sell you. Tell I'm just you saying. Yeah, I know you're just saying, but I, I'm, it's poor whoever sold you those fruit was lying to you. Right. Yeah. And on that bombshell, we need to bring this episode to a close. We do, and we shall leave episode 89 behind and, and look forward with a mixture of uh, excitement, yet intrepidation, to uh, episode 90 as we, oh. as, we, as we go, Rob, on that long march, or short march now, towards... A hundredth episode. You do realise as well, I mean, it's the it's the 30th of January as we record this, and in, I guess, 17 days, well, we will celebrate the anniversary of the very first podcast. Yeah, that's true. And then we'll be, and then we'll be very near our hundredth episode as well. And I think on our hundredth episode, we should maybe, it seems to me fitting, we should maybe conduct some sort of ritual sacrifice. 
And I think we know who that's going to be, don't we? <laughs> I didn't say human, Rob. I said we could find maybe a cockroach. Good idea. Yeah. Burn it. <laughs> Take care. God bless.